Thank you for listening to Christian Family Church Podcast. Here at CFC, our mission is to live and communicate the power of the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ to the world around us. From wherever you're listening, we hope you'll be encouraged by this week's message. Hello, thank you, Ben, for just an awesome time of worship. Um, Man, you had to sing that song last. That just gets me so emotional. Now I'm going to have like a squeaky voice this whole time. That's all right. (laughs) Um, For those of you who don't know me, my name is Sam. I, um, like Mike, am part of the furniture around here. And I run the youth ministry here, Impact Youth. Um, And yeah, I have the blessing and privilege to be able to share a message with you all this morning. So yeah, we'll start with prayer in a second, but... Such a blessing to, to be gathered with my brothers and sisters and to look around the room and just be filled with love for so many of you. Um, big warm welcome to anyone who's here for the first time or, or maybe only the second or third time. Um, but let's pray, shall we? Heavenly Father, we just thank you for just uh, all of the countless blessings that you shower upon us, Lord. And Father, I thank you that you're not a God that is distant, that you are a God who speaks to us, who communes with us, um, who dwells within us. And so, Father, I just pray over the message this morning, Lord, I pray that you would guide um, guide my words, guide, um, yeah, guide where we're going this morning, Lord. Speak a, a message to each heart, Lord. You know what's going on in each person's life in this room and listening online, Father. So I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're gonna do a good thing this morning. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. So I hope that 2022 has been treating you well so far. Um, We're only, what, nine days in, so just over a week in. But I don't know about you, but I generally love this time of year. I've never really been one for New Year's resolutions. Are there any um, New Year's resolution diehards in the room? Anyone else? Oh, you're all like me. Wonderful. Um, I think New Year's Year's resolutions come with just a bit too much pressure. And for me, I just feel like they're doomed to fail. Yeah? (laughs) And so, you know, I believe that to the extent that last year or the year before now, I took up swimming three days before New Year's so that no one could say it was a New Year's resolution because it happened like three days beforehand. (laughs) And it worked out because I I, I kept up that habit for a few months until COVID came in the way and shut down the pool, so that was fun. Um, So I've never been one for New Year's resolutions. However, I do love just the general feel of everything at the start of the year, you know, the vibe, the freshness. Um, I find that this time of year brings more motivation, excitement, anticipation, just hope for the future. And I tend to be better at things like exercising, um, uh, tending to my garden. My goodness, I so often neglect that. Um, And just getting around to all those jobs that have been on my to-do list for far too long than I care to mention here. So I'm just a real sucker for anything that can bring me into that state of motivation because it doesn't come by super easily for me. I don't know if that's the same with you. And the new year certainly does that. It's something about closing the chapter on the previous years, no matter how many goals I didn't achieve or how many aspirations I failed to to leap to. And trust me, that's a lot. (laughs) Um, But 
Yeah, it's something about closing that chapter that gives me that fresh start, that clean slate, and helps me to look at the possibilities of the future rather than dwelling on the failures of the past. It helps me to believe that this year could be the best year yet in whatever criteria you um, judge that by. So I wonder, have you felt this sort of thing before? Have we got anyone who's like me, feels this every, every new year, that you have a burst of excitement for the year and creativity? Yep, we've got a few. <laughs> um, maybe you've had a tough start to 2022 because unfortunately, illness, pain, suffering in general doesn't seem to take time off over the holidays as much as we wish that it would. Or maybe, you consider yourself to be a New Year's Grinch, where you've maybe been burnt by some New Year's resolutions in the past, and now you just have a disdain for this time of year. I'm not here to judge you, I'm here to say I understand. I wonder, you know, no matter which end of the spectrum that you're on there, I hope that everyone can at least point to one time in their life where around this time of year, they felt that freshness and the wonder of a new year, a new, a new chapter beginning. And I want you to think back to that time in your, in your mind right now, and I want you to think about how it made you feel, how it boosted your motivation, how it changed your perspective, and how you believe that the future could be better than the past. I want you to scoop up that memory, and I want you to place it in a little jar. Just picture a little jar in your mind and just Screw the lid on for a second and just put that to the side. We're going to bring that out in a little while. Now, if you're taking notes, the, uh, the title for this message is Best Year Yet. But it's not going to be just about 2022 and the wonderful things that it's going to bring. It's going to be more so, in a broader sense, about looking forward to the future and hope that things can be better. I'm not talking about all of our problems and all of our challenges melting away so we can live just a life of comfort and, and no challenges, but rather in a much deeper and more eternal sense that growth can happen, that challenges can be overcome, and that hope can be real. We talk an awful lot about hope in the church, and so we should. We believe and we declare that Jesus Christ is the ultimate hope for all of us on this earth and that he's the only one with the power to save us from ourselves, save us from our sin and save us from an eternity of separation from our heavenly Father. And instead, he brings us into this kingdom of light with our heavenly Father. Heaven, that's such a wonderful thing to think about. To know that one day there will be no more crying or death or mourning or pain. It's a destination that we Christians have longed for ever since the moment that we gave our lives to Christ, who died for us and gave himself for us. But it's not like the moment we accept Christ that we're zapped into heaven then and there. That would be a little, little startling, wouldn't it? And it's also not that the moment we give our life to Christ that our pain and suffering is blipped from existence either. That's not the way it works too. So what do we do in the meantime between accepting Christ and, and entering heaven? What do we do with that um, abyss? Some might look at it like that. 
At the CFC Women's Conference last year in November, anyone go, go along to that one? Yes. How, how, how incredible was that, yeah? Who got a real boost of encouragement that day? Bless all of you leaders, um, women's leaders who put that one together. So we had the pleasure to hear from Susie Botros. And I have been obsessed with this woman ever since I heard her speak on that day. Um, but we got to glean her incredibly Bible-centred, uh, practical and no-nonsense wisdom. I took a bunch of notes that day. But the one thing that I think was maybe my favourite that I took from that day was just a really simple flowchart that she put up that uh, so clearly outlined the journey that each Christian takes from the moment of accepting Christ to entering into eternal life. And it was so simple, but just so good. You know those things that it's like, man, how can something so simple just be so real and so good and so full? And so let me share that little flow chart with you. So we've got three steps up in the top line there, and we've got the first one at the start is justification. And so justification is, that's the time in our lives that we accept Christ Jesus as Lord and Saviour. It's when he rescues us out of the kingdom of darkness, he forgives our sin, he wipes our slate clean, and he, he brings us into a, a new right standing with God. It's just as if we had never sinned. That's a good way to remember justification. Just as if I had never sinned. It's the starting point of our new life with Jesus, and it's the salvation that we all desperately need. No one is above that. And it guarantees us entry into eternity with God. But it's not just a ticket to heaven. And then going to the other end of that flowchart, glorification. So glorification is the time when we will be glorified by God and enter into eternal life. In the book of Revelation, chapter 21, it, it paints a picture of what this might be like. And it says that God will make all things new, that he will dwell with us and he will be our God. We will be his people. It even says that he will wipe every tear from our eyes. Doesn't that sound wonderful? Doesn't, sound that, doesn't that sound like a glorious thing to, to be excited about? And now... We've talked about the starting point, we've talked about the destination, and now we look to this abyss, this in the meantime, and this is the part that connects the two, and we call it sanctification. So if you've, if you've not heard that word before, um, or if maybe you've heard it before and you've never really understood what it means, it just sounds like a very religious sort of word, let me clear it up for you. Sanctification is to be cleansed and to be set apart for sacred use. It is to declare or to make holy. It is the process through which we begin to look less and less like our old sinful selves and we are transformed to look more and more like Jesus, our Saviour. So how does the whole process work? How does one become more like Jesus? We're going to talk all about that this morning. We've already briefly covered the starting point, which is salvation. So that's point number one today, if you're taking notes. Let's start with Jesus. Many in this room or watching online have received salvation from Jesus, 
but if I know my God, I know that there's likely someone listening or, or watching this morning that hasn't received that salvation from Jesus. And if that's you today, I want to invite you to think deeply about these things. Have you ever had those feelings or those thoughts that just something's missing from my life, something isn't quite right, surely there's got to be more than just the day-to-day mundane living? My God is a loving Father, and right now I believe he's calling your name. Maybe he's been calling you for a while in little ways, here and there, little coincidences that have happened that have got you thinking. Today, he wants to make it known to you that he's inviting you to be his child. You can come to him at any time. You can accept his son, Jesus Christ, into your life as your Lord and Saviour. And once you do that, just watch to see what he will do in and through you. So if that's you, I give you permission to just tune out for a second. Just have a private moment with God. Even if it's just you calling out to him saying, God, reveal yourself to me. Go ahead and you can do that. And as, we're, as you do that, we're going to continue talking about that part, about God doing things in and through us. So like I said, salvation, it's the starting point of this journey. Everything is fresh and new, like that feeling at the start of the year. And also, um, to make it personally, personal for myself, I got a Pokemon game this year for Christmas. My wonderful darling husband got me Pokemon. Um, and it's, it's just like the start of a new Pokemon game where you've, you've, got your, you've got your running shoes, you can run faster around the game now, you've got your starter Pokemon, and then you're ready to set off on an adventure of Pokemon. Apologies to all the blank faces that have never played Pokemon before. Uh, but this is just what gets, gets me going. <laughs> Um, and it's exciting, you know, there's, there's, there's adventure on the horizon, there's hope for, for what's going to happen in the future, and it's a good place to be. Um, however, we're not supposed to start, stay at that starting point forever. It's fun, it's fresh, exciting, it's new, but it's not meant to be a permanent place. It's just like if you had a, if you had a newborn child, you'd be worried that in you know, six months, one year, two years' time, if that child hadn't grown and stayed the size of an infant, you know that something's not quite right, yeah? And it's the same with us in our Christian journey. There comes a time when we grow from baby Christians to toddlers to children and keep maturing more and more each day. Now, we don't graduate from what Christ has done for us on the cross. We don't graduate so that it's not meaningful anymore, but rather what Christ has done for us is our foundation. Christ is our foundation that we build on top of. We're going to hear a lot from the Apostle Paul in this message this morning because he's been uh, appointed by God to witness to the Gentile nations, which includes us. And he he um, makes this point of Christ being our foundation in 1 Corinthians 3.11. And he says, For no one can lay any foundation other than the one that has already been laid, which is Jesus Christ. So when it comes to, to this process of sanctification, when it comes to being made more like Christ, the foundation has to be Christ. It can't be based on our own competency, our own strength, our own wealth, success, even good things like our own self-control or whatever you might put in there to fill that blank. It has to be 
Jesus Christ. So what I want to say next, I want this to be drilled into each of our minds and hearts. This growth and maturation, this process of, of being made holy and set apart for sacred use, not done in our own strength. It's not something that we can just will into existence. And how do I know this? First of all, I've tried it. It doesn't work. <laughs> Let me save you some pain there. Um, but more so because the Bible actually says that it's something outside of ourselves that brings this process into being. Paul again writes in Romans chapter 15, verse 16, and we're doing part B, which is like the second part of the verse. And he tells us, he gave me the priestly duty of proclaiming the gospel of God so that the Gentiles might become an offering acceptable to God, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. And then also in 1 Thessalonians 5, 23 to 24, Paul writes, May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And here's the best bit. The one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. It is God, by his Holy Spirit, who sanctifies us and who renews us to be more like Jesus. Of course, we do have a part to play in this process. It's up to us to live a life in submission and obedience to God, yeah? But ultimately, it is him who transforms us in ways that we never thought possible. So that brings us to point number two, let the Holy Spirit sanctify. He wants to sanctify, that's what he, 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 that's what he loves to do. He wants to cleanse us and set us apart for sacred use, but why? So as I said, we're being cleansed and set apart for that sacred use. So what does that mean? That means God has stuff for us to do, not stuff for us to do so we can work to earn our salvation. Christ has already dealt with that. Ephesians 2, 8 to 9 clearly says that we're saved by grace, which is a gift of God. It's not through our own works. It's not through anything we can do or earn or boast about. Salvation is, is a gift. We don't earn that. But rather, this sacred use, this stuff that God has for us to do, it's its purpose is to bring about the gospel of Christ to those who have not heard and to strengthen Christ's church as we shine God's light into a world of darkness. I've got to say, those are some pretty motivating, awesome uses. The Bible also says that we are sanctified, that we might become an offering acceptable to God. Again, in Romans 15, 16, that we read before, where Paul says that he's been given the priestly duty of proclaiming the gospel to the Gentiles. He says, so that the Gentiles might become an offering acceptable to God. You see, offerings to God, they involve sacrifice, don't they? They involve giving up something of value, something that we could have used. And we know that Jesus is the ultimate sacrifice the, the ultimate sacrifice that the whole Old Testament points to. However, if we're meant to follow in Jesus' footsteps, then there is an aspect of sacrifice in the Christian walk, in the walk of sanctification. 
God is still pleased with the things that we lay down and sacrifice for his sake. It's the crucifying of ourselves, of our sinful flesh nature that gives way for the new nature to come through. Paul again writes in Romans 12, chapter 1, and he urges, he urges us, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. We'll read verse 2 in just a second. But I just want to hone in that becoming like Jesus, it's not about behavior modification, yeah? It's not about tweaking our behaviors and tweaking things on the outside and ticking boxes to make us look good and and Christian-like on the outside, yeah? Rather, it's a transformation from within. It's the renewing of your mind and the coming into that understanding of God's will, his good and perfect will. Romans 12 verse 2 goes on to say, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. And then you'll be able to test and approve God's will, his good, pleasing and perfect will. And as we do that, as we're renewed from from the inside, then naturally what's inside of a person will begin to flow out. Jesus himself teaches on this principle in Luke 6, 43 to 45, and he uses the example of a tree. He says that no good tree bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree is recognised by its own fruit. Makes perfect sense so far, yeah? We all agree with this one. People do not pick figs from thorn bushes or grapes from briars. That would be weird. That would be a, a false representation of what that tree actually is. But rather, a good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart, and an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. But this all links back into the question of why we are being set apart for sacred use, that, that we are called to be Christ's ambassadors on this earth to shine his light into the darkness, to be the hope bringers to a world that is desperate for hope. We've been set apart for this purpose. So how unhelpful would it be if, if we went around bear, bearing Christ's name Bearing the name of an apple tree, but we're producing figs or oranges or something that is not what we are claiming to be. If we bear Christ's name, we need to naturally be bearing Christ's fruit. But remember, it's not about behaviour modification, so this isn't something that we can fake. This isn't something we can will into existence. Fake it till you make it does not apply here. That sometimes applies in some areas of life. But rather... It's about that genuine inward transformation, that process of being renewed from the inside so it naturally flows out. Then you'd have much less anxiety about, um, oh man, what if I stuff up and then everyone sees who I really am? But no, if we, if we know that we are, we are being renewed by God, then we can have faith that he's going to continue to do a good work in us and those good things will flow out. 
This process of sanctification, it can, remember, it can only be done by Christ and his Holy Spirit. And this all sounds wonderful in theory, right? It sounds really lovely, and it is. It really is a wonderful thing. But what about those times when we just don't seem to measure up? When we just don't seem to hit the target? I've got to say, it's, it's a miracle that I'm able to share this message with you this morning because this week has been a week for me full of me not hitting the target and me stuffing up and failing in the same way that I always, always have for the hundredth time. And I know that there's probably some people who can, who can relate to that. In, that t- in those times when we stumble again and again and again, just in the same way we always have, then that old wicked voice begins to whisper and hiss at us, that's who you are, that's who you've always been. You're never gonna break free from that. The doubts come rushing in like a flood. The enemy taunts us and he pushes us down. We've all been there. But what do we do in those moments? We resist the devil. We submit to God. We fight by turning to him in faith and cling to his promises. So that's point number three this morning. When the going gets rough, cling to his promises. So what are those promises? The Bible's full of many wonderful promises, but for the, for the context of sanctification, of becoming more and more like Jesus, I've got three verses that we can, we can hold on to this morning. And they are 1 Thessalonians 5, 23 to 24. I read this earlier. It says, May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through, May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. Not he might do it, not he'll do it if you're you're behaving yourself. He will do it. And then skipping over to 2 Thessalonians 2, verse 13. But we ought always to thank God for you, brothers loved by the Lord, Because from the beginning, God chose you to be saved through the sanctifying work of the Spirit and through belief in the truth. God chose us to be saved through the sanctifying work of the Spirit and through belief in the truth. And then lastly, Philippians 1.6 says, I am certain that God, who began a good work within you, will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. So to bring those promises back into into mind, he is faithful. He is faithful to renew us. He is faithful to be beside us. He is faithful to strengthen us and equip us and restore us. He's chosen you. He has called you. You're not some uninvited person. There is an inv- there's always been an invitation from the moment you've been born. There's been an invitation for you to come into the kingdom of light. You're meant to be with God. You're not some imposter. And also, he will continue his good work, which he has begun in you, and he will continue this good work within you until it is completed. He's working on it. He's got a plan. He's got the power. He's going to do it. So I want you to bring out that little jar again, full of freshness and wonder for the new year. 
And that freshness of, and wonder, it came about simply because of what time of year it was, yeah? And in the bigger picture, how arbitrary is that? How quite silly is that almost? If a particular month can fill you with a sense of, of fresh hope for a new year, then how much more can the God of the universe fill you with hope for this next day, next season, next challenge? How much more can our mighty God do that for you? So no matter what day of the year you're having issues, whether it's January 9th, whether it's October 12th, if no matter what day of the year you're having issues with your hot temper, your lack of self-control, your greedy and selfish attitude, prideful thoughts and behaviour, I say all these because I'm picking from the list of the things I stumble with, by the way. <laughs> no matter what day of the year that these things are happening, God is faithful and he will continue to do a good work in you. And sometimes we just need to be reminded of that, hey? Sometimes we just need to be reminded of actually how mighty our God is. He is all-powerful. He's outside of time. He's an almighty, wonder-working God. And he has great love, concern, and compassion for you. He's a loving father. He's not someone who's lording his power and authority over us, no. He sets the stage, his son sets the stage to be a servant, to be a friend. He's a personal God. Whatever you're facing, whatever way the enemy is getting you down about the way that you are or the failures of your past or even the failures of right now, God has a plan to sanctify you, to cleanse you, to set you, set you apart, to equip you for sacred use to make you the best version of yourself yet, closer towards Christ and further away from the sinful nature. So lay it all down before him, submit to him, obey what he is calling you to do. If you have trouble deciphering what all that looks like, you're not alone, first of all, and seek out a trusted friend who is wise in, in the knowledge and understanding of God and, and God's word. And they might be able to help you to be able to decipher, huh, what do I need to, how can I submit to God? What do I need to obey? How can, I, how can I be doing that with my life? So as I wrap up, I'll invite the band up um, and I'll close by saying, you know, this message is perhaps easy enough to, to grasp and to take hold on uh, in the first few weeks of the year while we have that freshness and that wonder. But I hope that this message this morning is something that will last. I'm hoping that in a few weeks' time, a month's time, six months' time, you can point back to this message and you can look at your notes or you can listen to the message again and you can be just as invigorated that God is doing a good work in you. And it doesn't matter how many failures yesterday had. All that matters is putting your faith in and hope in the one who is faithful. So if you're taking notes, I want you to rewrite the title of this message. And instead of writing best year yet, leave the year bit as blank. Because our God 
is not limited by time. He's not anchored to a month of the year. Leave that bit as blank so that in whatever situation, in whatever time that you find yourself in, you can have hope that with an almighty God leading you forward, it can be the best yet. So we're gonna sing, do it again. And as we do, I wanna encourage you to sing these words in faith. This is a song where we are singing and we are declaring that God is mighty to save. He can do it again. He's done it before. And if you're in need of of that fresh hope, if you feel like you've just been stumbling and failing your way through life the last however long, and you just need that fresh hope, then I wanna invite you to come up to the front and we'd love to pray for you. If you prayed that prayer earlier to receive Jesus or, or if it's just something that you're thinking about, you just have questions or just want prayer for that, then I'd be thrilled if you as well would come up and and I'd love to pray for you. Let's not think that coming forward for for prayer is a sign of weakness because it's so not. It's a sign of eagerness to grow in God and that is a source of strength. So I invite you all to stand and we're gonna sing this song and we're gonna declare with faith that God is mighty to, to do His work within us. Thank you, band.